Hello, comrades, and welcome to Victory Radio. I'm your host, Joe, and I'm here with my co-host, Jamie. We've got a great show for you tonight, but first, we've got some announcements for you directly from the Ministry of Truth. Our floating fortress has been expanded yet again, but that's not surprising considering our shipyards have been operating at 110% capacity, and we've had more volunteers for our Navy than ever before. That's right. Also, news from the Eurasian Front, we put the herd on them in South India, folks, just like Big Brother predicted. Can we get a picture of the battlefield? Yeah, pull that shit up, Jamie. Yeah. Just like Big Brother said, chocolate rations had to be scaled back a little bit this year. Now, I've seen the physical jerks reports, and I know y'all aren't jerking nearly enough. Have you guys ever thought that if you laid off the chocolate a little, a little bit, the jerks might be uh, a little more manageable? Well, Big Brother's watching out for us as usual, but man, you guys have to start taking training more seriously. Has anybody tried supplements like B12, fiber, protein, anything like that? It improves your athleticism so much, man. Yeah, makes the jerks easier. Well, anyway, we've got a great show ahead of us tonight and a special guest coming on in a little bit. Before we get started, though, let's hear a couple important messages from our comrades in the Ministry of Plenty. Yeah, roll it, guys. Long day at the office? Too much time on your feet? That's too damn bad. Suck it up. Big Brother still loves you. And when things seem mundane and repetitive, nothing alleviates the depression like a smooth shot of victory jam. Distilled from the least mediocre of the entire harvest of Victory Berries, Victory Gin goes down the gullet like sandpaper and sits in the gut like a pound of bricks. It's every comrade's drink of choice. It's perfect for all ages, too. Granddad needs a nostalgia trip? Victory Gin. Baby Sally has a cough? Victory Gin. Jeff is tired after his 15th year of sitting in a windowless room reviewing old newspapers? Victory Gin. You ran out of your monthly Victory Gin ration early? No problemo. Big Brother understands. That's why for this month only, Victory Gin rations will be doubled. That's right, doubled. Some restrictions apply. Quantity subject to change. Don't you dare complain. What does service mean to you? Honor? Valor? Mandatory conscription? The Army needs you, comrades, to fight for Oceania. The Malabar Front won't win itself, you know. Have you ever wanted to leave Airstrip 1? Of course not, but believe it or not, Big Brother's rule extends much farther than Airstrip 1, and you can travel to the other side of the world and still feel BB's watchful protection. Big Brother has given you so much throughout your lives, the least you can do is give him Eurasia. Enlist now, and make your comrades at home proud. Alright comrades, we're back. Joining us this evening is a distinguished inter-party member whose sting operations on thought criminals have brought numerous traitors to justice. Notably, our guest conducted an operation which caught two employees of the Ministry of Truth in an act of rebelling against Big Brother. All the way from Airstrip 1, here's O'Brien. How are you doing, bro? Hi, Joe. I'm doing pretty well. I love the place, and the gin here hits different than it does in London. What are they putting in this stuff? I don't know, man, but while you're out here, make sure you try some Victory Herb. Best in Oceania, I swear. Anyway, how are you feeling, brother? You're looking pretty strong. You been working out? Honestly, chasing thought criminals has proven to be a bit of a workout, Joe. Besides, BB cut our rice rations again this year, and you know what? I didn't need the carbs anyway. So yeah, 
I'm feeling pretty good. Hey, that's great, man. So tell me about this recent sting you had. Outer party members rebelling against Big Brother? What the hell is that all about? Yeah, so it's a little scary when you hear it at first, but realistically, this happens more frequently than you'd think. You get these guys who are brighter than the average Joe and give them a job, erasing people's names and lives from history, and yeah, they're bound to crack eventually. It always starts small, right? So this nut job had a whole journal in his room. Crazy, right? Even crazier that we didn't catch this shit on the telescreen. Anyway, he gets to writing shit in his journal and thinking for himself and stuff, and that's a slippery slope, my friend. Wow, this dude had a journal that he actually wrote in and stuff? That's some crazy shit, man. I don't like that there are people like that just out walking around and stuff. I know, man. This is the more disturbing part of the job for us. We have to deal with some real sickles like this Winston guy. I can still say his name, right? I don't think his name has been redacted yet. Anyway, so this guy had a journal and he was writing all sorts of crazy stuff in there. Talking about how he wanted to bone some girl from his office, random tidbits about his day, and get a load of this. He had a whole page full of down with big brother. What kind of reprobate just writes this shit down, you know? I mean, if there are any thought criminals listening to the show right now, I got a bit of advice for you. Don't write this shit down. In this guy's case, a neighbor's kid noticed something weird about him and told someone in the Ministry of Love. And thank God, right? But had this lunatic not written all of this down, I mean, who knows how long it would have taken us to find him. Anyway, this guy is clearly dissatisfied with how things are going, doesn't like his job, doesn't like the solitude of his life, doesn't like that he's not getting laid. The perfect storm. Oh yeah, man. It's crazy out there. I love what you all are doing with the kids, though. You've got that youth project, and it really gives those kids purpose, you know? For sure, man. So we've got this guy with the journal. Sounds pretty bad already, right? Not even the start of it. Turns out, there's this other lunatic, Julia, who's also a little off. These two are on a crash course for each other. And finally, we see them link up. Julia, the girl. Who? by the way, was way younger than this Winston dude, and it kind of creeped us all out. Slipped this dude a freaking love note. This is where things really start to get interesting. These two finally hook up after months of just staring at each other. Real freaking weird, man. And you know what? It's disgusting how you've got people just hooking up without having babies. When the hell did that start? I mean, what's the purpose of it? I told you, these people were weird. Anywho, first, we got them linking up weird places far away from the city, but eventually, these two developed the audacity to rent a place together right in the middle of London. Conveniently enough, this place this they rented was right above the shop where the genius bought his journal. Little did he know, Charrington, the shopkeeper, was one of ours. Every little move these two made got reported right back to us, so our job was almost too easy. I thought the same thing, bro. What are these two doing? Why would you just seek out someone for the pleasure of their company and not solely for the purpose of procreation? It makes me just shudder thinking about it. It's disgusting. 
Honestly, Joe, it's my pleasure to clean these animals off the street. So as I was saying, we're onto these fools at this point. This is where I come into the picture. I knew something was off about this guy for a long time. So I'd been watching him at his work. Maybe he had a crush on me or two or something. But he kept freaking looking at me. Didn't matter to me. I had his attention now. After he and Julia had their fling, I approached this guy and asked him to join the Brotherhood. You know, the Brotherhood. The Brotherhood is a crock of shit that we in the inner party created to weed out potential traitors. Basically, we made up a resistance group and I started approaching suspicious people about joining it. Nine times out of ten, these guys fall for it hook, line, and sinker. Granted, we make it seem pretty convincing. As a matter of fact, we let them on to a few secrets not a whole lot of people know in order to build the trust. Can you tell me what kind of secrets? I mean, we're all comrades here. I won't tell anybody. Ah, sure. What the hell? So we lie and tell these guys that Emmanuel Goldstein is still around and stirring trouble. Truth is, I don't know where the hell the guy is. Could be dead for all I know. Truth is, Joe, the war is fucking pointless. You know, Malabar, India, all of that shit is pointless. The folks in charge over in Eurasia and East Asia are pretty solid guys, if I do say so myself. We all get together regularly and work out who has to go with war with whom, and when we have to do it, and you know why? It keeps the people busy, keeps them preoccupied. If everybody in Oceania hates, hates everyone in East Asia, then nobody will be thinking. Man, shit kind of sucks over here. And believe me, no ghost need rise from the grave to tell us that shit sucks here. I mean, I've got a pretty nice apartment myself, but most of these fools are living in squalor, man. No shoes, ration chocolate. God, could you imagine? But if everyone's efforts aren't concentrated on some outside threat, they're gonna look inward. And you know what happens when they look inward, right? Guys like me lose their heads, man. I'm not gonna lie to you, O'Brien. That's some crazy shit. I mean, I always knew something was up with the way newspapers are always changing stuff. I mean, shit. You remember that guy giving the speech during hate week? Poor fucker had to switch his speech right in the middle of giving it. The whole crowd was standing around him, holding the We Hate Eurasia signs, and he was all like, nah, 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 we've always loved Eurasia, but fuck East Asia though, right? None of these people knew what to do. That shit was hilarious, man. I love it. Actually, do we have a video of that? Jamie, pull that shit up for me real quick. That's hilarious. Man, shit like that is why I do what I do. That whole speech had me in stitches. The poor bastards in the crowd didn't know if they were coming or going. Anyway, back to our friend Winston. So he's all riled up with these quote-unquote revolutionary notions and whatnot. So I invite this guy to my place. Couldn't have worked out better. He shows up with Julia, of all people. And I give these two the rundown of the Brotherhood. Give them a copy of Goldstein's book and everything. I know at that point that I've got these guys, man. We just decided to have a little fun with them. The lovebirds go back to Cherry's shop and do their thing, and they start re reading Emmanuel's book like it's the frickin' manifesto or something. Now, next thing that happened was probably the most gangster shit I've ever seen. Changton has always been a bit of a showman. He's all about the acting and the role he's playing in shit, so naturally, this guy wants his big reveal to be dramatic. He wants Winston and Julia's little revolution to end with a bang. So these two wake up after a night of converting in bed doing god knows what. And they hear some old proletariat woman singing outside the window. 
They share a moment, and thinking they're real romantic or something, they say in unison, "We are the dead." How poetic, right? But then, like the freaking gangster he is, Chengton speaks through his this hidden telescreen that Winston and Julia didn't notice, and just goes, "You are the dead." I went ape shit, man. I would kill to deliver a line like that sort of circumstance. Chengton is a freaking legend around HQ for that. Just when I didn't think it could get any more badass, this bastard says some real slick shit as our tactical team is kicking down the door. He says a line from that one old nursery rhymes. He said, "Here comes a candle to light you to bed. Here comes a chopper to chop off your head." My God, saw the footage, man. I thought Winston was gonna shit himself. The theater, the magic, the delivery—thinking of it still gives me goosebumps. Man, don't you love stuff like that? That just warms my heart. I'm guessing the story doesn't end there. Of course not. This is where it gets pretty gruesome, though. So we take these two into custody, and honestly, we just fuck with them for a while. We stuffed Winston in a cell with some crazy pro who thought she was his mom. Could have been. I don't know. Then we send in the guy's old neighbor, you know, that kind of chubby one with the kids. He goes in there and just starts farting all over the place. I can't make this shit up, man. Sounds all right so far. What else happened? Well, I eventually pay Winston a visit. At this point, the poor bastard doesn't know that I'm not who he thinks I am. He gets all hopeful and shit, you know, thinks I'm gonna bust him out of there in the name of the brotherhood or something. I break it to him that, in fact, I work for the party, you know. But I thought there was no way that this motherfucker was dumb enough to believe some of what I said to him. Turns out he bought it all. It was a little disappointing. Well, we start laying into this guy like you would not believe, breaking limbs, messing with his head, you name it. The main goal with people like Winston Joe is to eliminate any sense of independence that you may have. It's a power thing, you know. They have to accept our vision of how things are. They can't just memorize it or understand it. They have to accept it. I held out four fingers to the guy, told him I'm holding out five. I watched the change come over him as he told me to my face that he was seeing me hold up five. See what happened? He began to accept our reality. It took some time, a lot of fucking with his mind, but eventually Winston started to see things our way. The tricky part, though, was getting him to completely dump his old ways. This poor guy, ugh, he still hadn't flipped on Julia. See, we needed him to flip on Julia to know for sure that we changed him. At first, I didn't think it would happen, but we came up with something real fucked up to get him to flip. Right? We we just strapped a big box of rats to his face. The thing about rats is they'll eat their way out of a situation if they're hungry enough. And guess what? Winston hates rats. It's perfect. Well, guess what? That did it. Winston finally flipped on Julia, and our job was finished. Man, that's messed up. But here, in our last little bit of time, let me ask you this: Why do you do it? What? Why? Why does the party do it? You know why we do it, Joe? We do it for power. We do it so nobody fucks with us. After the revolution, it just so happens that we came up on top, and by God, nothing is going to jeopardize that for me. Well, there you have it, folks. Our totalitarian government doesn't want your money or your love. It just wants power. O'Brien, thanks for stopping by, brother.